Welcome to another episode of Monday Night Best Ball here at Spike Week. Tonight, we are going to dig into some double stacks. We know stacking is good. We're trying to take down tournaments. We know that we want to target some really good offenses or some undervalued offenses. But we also know that there's a delicate balance of ADP value, getting our double stacks, how much should we spend on our stacks, and we're going to dive into all of that, plus maybe find some stacks that we can get a little unique find some low-owned, high-powered stacks to help us take down best ball tournaments in 2023. Let's do it. So I was just telling Rob before we started this, this is one of those uh, first world problems, but where you're like, you know, you got a show to start at that six o'clock central, as everyone knows, and might be able to hear my dogs are, are completely chaotic all the time at this time. So I tried to be a better host and walk the dogs mm. before this, right? <sighs> Apparently all that did was give them more energy but then i was also scrambling around had a couple of other things i needed to do before before we went live i showed up right basically right at at six o'clock so we're a couple couple minutes late and that's and that's my fault but i I, i'm i'm looking forward to the show i i enjoy the monday show it's a lot of fun to kind of kick off the week with like a start a new strategy conversation and i think Mm -hmm. Later in the summer, we're going to have like, you know, all tons of news and camp and ADP risers and fallers and all that. Like, I don't really care that much to discuss a lot of that right now. But I think some things we can talk about are things like uh, these stacks, because it's one thing to say, oh, go stack the Chiefs. Like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, everybody probably is interested in a, a Chief stack or a Bengal stack or Eagle stack. But how do we go about targeting those teams if we want to? Where are maybe some undervalued stacks that we're interested in? And then using some of our Spike Week tools to see maybe some under-owned stacks, right? It's one thing to be, everybody, we, people say, oh, everybody's stacking the Chiefs. But are they stacking, is everybody stacking the Chiefs? Or is everybody stacking Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes and Kadarius Tony? Those kinds of things. And so um, I think that's a fun conversation to start to have as, you know, I know there's a lot of people that have still drafted a bunch, but I actually haven't drafted a a whole ton yet. So this is a good time to like, let's figure out our strategy and teams that we want to target before we, you know, get to August and you've put thousands of dollars into best ball. Yeah. And what you said is correct. We're going to be sitting here for the next three months. We're going to talk strategies. We're going to talk about our week 17s. We're going to talk about this, the other thing. To me, the absolute edge you can get not just right now, but through the entire playoffs based on some of these numbers that I'm looking at is double stacking your quarterback. I think it's the easiest edge to get. And it's one of the least done things according to our data right now in the entire field. And it's not just the ones that you're thinking of. It's not just, you know, getting the Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Joe Burrow double stack. It's not just trying to get the Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown double. Be nice. We want those. I'm not saying we don't, right? But if you start looking at some of these other teams that we really like and you start seeing the numbers or lack of numbers that these double stacks are actually hitting and projected ownership for a multiple amounts of different reasons, you're going to look at it and be like, oh, 
holy shit, this is the way to actually get different, even though you think it shouldn't be getting different because you would think just as people that do this in May, and if you're in doing drafts in May, you are an absolute sicko like us, you think that people are double stacking and they're just not, they're just not doing it for multiple different reasons. So I think, uh, I think this is, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, this is the biggest edge we're going to have this year is the double stack. It's so true because it's so straightforward, right? We talk a lot about, we call ourselves sickos because we are, we're talking about drafting fantasy football teams on May 15th and all year round. And there's a, but there are a lot of like strategic levers we can pull and the, all we're trying to do and what spike week encapsulates and really what any good best ball analysis encapsulates is no one has the golden ticket. There is no individual thing. There is no one player. There is no, there, there is no one key that unlocks a successful best ball season or a successful best ball draft. What we're trying to do is stack up a bunch of what we would call micro edges really every air quotes edge in best ball is really just a micro edge, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you think about the game, think about this best ball game and how simple it is. It's a snake draft, right? 80, we we assume, and now we we don't need to get into this all is, is best ball an efficient market and all that. Cause that's a whole different conversation, but generally speaking, right? Wisdom of the crowds will get you close enough. Um, There's guys that we agree, disagree on their price, whatever, but generally speaking, right? If you just show up, and you like put positional limits in on these sites. You said, I don't want more than three quarterbacks. I don't want more than three tight ends. You know, I don't want, I want at least four running backs, whatever your teams mm-hmm. will be like, okay, you're, you're probably, yeah. you know, a minus EV, but like, you're not stone dead. And so that's how simple the game is. So all these edges, when that's the baseline, right. It's, it's not the same as DFS, but like, if you show up to DFS nowadays and you play, you just buy some projections and an optimizer, like, you're going to enter teams that are like not completely, completely horrible. And so, um, yeah, this is just absolute chaos. They're, this dude is literally like, this dude is literally going in full, full circles. It's, it's amazing. But just to wrap, but the, the double stacking is one where I think even sickos like us, the folks in the Spike Week Discord, our Twitter bubble, think like, oh, everybody's just double stacking. All these double stacks are owned. So who cares? Right. But we built this model, which we'll talk. A good amount tonight because i think it drives some really good conversation around double stacks we have right underdog publishes all the historical contest data we have years of data as well as current adp where, where we got some market trends right with the wide receivers so we know about how much people are doing these kinds of things and mm-hmm. so we can smartly project right it's it's you don't take any projection as gospel, but it's very directionally accurate in, okay, this people are definitely doing Mahomes and Kelsey. People are probably not doing Mahomes and Richie James or, you know, I'm just making up things. Mm-hmm. And so we, we can get an idea of what the market is doing and where some of our edges might be on some things that seem like that can't be an edge, right? That can't be an edge, but, but those core concepts really can be big edges if we dig into them a little bit. Yeah, and I think we got to remember what the mindset is. As much as best ball is like a season long, like league of yours, there are massive differences as well. People that are drafting for season long leagues, they know that they need to win week in and week out. You need to, you need to beat X opponent in general, depending on your scoring set on system, right? Like, but in general, it's a head to head matchup that you're trying to win. 
And that scares people from doing a double stack because it's like, if I have a double stack with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Justin Herbert, and I'm playing against one person and the Chargers fail that week, you're dust. You're dead. You can't win that matchup, most likely, unless you have like the Joe Mixon 50-point week. So we're talking about like massive outliers to win. So when they come over and they start drafting best ball teams, and I think we probably were all guilty of this, we're like, oh, well, I've already stacked Keenan Allen with Justin Herbert, so there's no way I can take Mike Williams or insert player XXX into that. Like, it's just they don't want to put too much capital on one team because they're worried about it. So I think that's why when you look at the numbers, you're going to be like a little taken aback. And and it's not just that, too. It's just people wanting a one-off, you know, because someone might say, well, you know, I do have a Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey team, but I want a one-off Mike Williams on this team because, A, I like, I like the Chargers. I want a piece of that offense. It works for me. So it's tough to actually do some of these double stacks. So you have to be real cognizant of every which way that you're trying to do it. And then when we start throwing out some of these numbers that we're projecting, you're going to be like, oh, man, if this is if this is the case, I need to make sure that I am double stacking as much as I can. And I famously like usually I'm OK if I have Jalen Hurts and I only single stack them. I'm still OK with it. But like the more I look at like this data, I'm like, I really need to make sure that I'm double stacking everybody. And it doesn't matter which way I'm doing it. Am I doing Jalen Hurts with Dallas Goddard? Well, what's my third guy going to be if I didn't get A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith? Well, maybe it's Kenny Gainwell. Just, you know, that's that's a possibility. It does Your double stack does not have to be wide receiver, wide receiver, you know, or wide receiver, tight end, quarterback. There are some viable running back options on this as well. And I think that's the stuff that we uh, we're going to dive into here. And I, I think it's really going to like raise some eyebrows when we start saying some of these numbers. The other thing that's really interesting, just to uh, finish up kind of your point there is sometimes it is absolutely 100% of what you said where, and I, like, I am absolutely guilty of this being like, I don't want to spend my second and third round pick on that same offense. Right. Because mm-hmm. you, you do have in any one individual week, you do have like Jamar Chase and T Higgins probably are not both going to go off right in any right. one week. You spend your first round pick and second round pick or, or first round pick and third round pick on that offense. And you're thinking about like, Oh, in any one individual week. And so people will back away from that sometimes, the, but the, the flip side can also be true. Sometimes people will do the opposite. Right. And so that's why these projections are so important is because every situation is different and the market does handle situations all of them very differently sometimes the the market will draft that top wide receiver and the quarterback and like that's it that's the super chalky stack you don't get that second guy very much uh, uh very frequently drafted in that double stack other times right maybe the adp aligns or the offense is very unique or or something and you will get like okay people are double tapping these, these double stacks because it just fits so perfectly. Right. And so you kind of have to, you do, right. It's just like, again, I, I, I referenced DFS too much. So I apologize for non DFS people, but it's like, you can't go into a DFS slate and say last week, everybody did. Right. I'm thinking back to like old chiefs days, everybody stacks Mahomes, Kelsey and Tyreek last mm-hmm. week. Right. And so they're going to do it again. Or, or they're going to automatically double stack the super expensive stack this week. 
every slate is different and every stack is different. They project different, their ADPs are different. And so you kind of got to treat them all different. And that's the fun of all this. And a large reason why we built some of these tools is again, they're, they're micro edges, but you can find really good stacks, whether they're the high powered offenses, whether, you know, we mentioned chiefs, Eagles, Bengals, et cetera, that are some of the most high powered offenses bills, but you also have some of the, like maybe cheaper offenses where, both of sides of the coin can be true. Again, you get a cheaper offense where the people are, we, we talked about this before where we called it like you had the, the premium stack and you have the Oh shit stack. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the Oh shit stack gets really, really popular because people like yeah. people are smart, you know, 85 to 90% of people are actually stacking or trying to stack. So it's stacks are going to happen a lot, but so people are like, Oh shit, I got to the 12th round, you know? And the next thing, you know, Derek Carr and Rashid Shahid is one of the chalkier stacks in the tournament. And you're like, well, why is that? Because you can get it whenever you want it. And people get to the 12th round and they say, oh shit, I don't have a stack and I don't have a second quarterback. So let's build this one out later. And you know, you just have to be able to, to balance those things before we get into it. I want to, uh, well, of course we'll hit some of the comments before we dive in. And I do just want to cover the, the kind of ownership projection since we're going to kind of use that to, to, uh, you know, drive some of the conversation. It's not, not everything is about the ownership projections. Of course, there are ones that are going to be popular on here that I still want, and I'm still going to recommend to draft and all of that, but it's just an easy way for us to kind of look and, um, and, you know, spark some conversation. If you are a subscriber, you have access, let me zoom a little bit here. You have access to our best ball ownership projections and you can get to them in the tool section and you see ownership projections. We actually have two different versions, ownership projections, which is projecting the entire tournament. Right. So we're projecting when the tournament closes, when Thursday night football kicks off, here's what ownership is going to look like. Of course, that changes right as ADP changes and all that changes. Then we have ownership projections today. So you say, I just want to know what the people are doing that I'm drafting. in. like I get in best ball mania right now. What should I expect people to do with their combinations? So they're they're very similar, but uh, just a little bit different. Right. And so you can find those here and then they are. They are built on, again, you can kind of read here if you want to, to see uh, basically the, the methodology. But we took all this historical data and we took um, some projected ownership logic that comes from our good friends, our sister site at Roto-Grinders, who've been projecting DFS ownership for 10 or 12 years or whatever it is, and put together a, a model that takes all this historical data and the current ADP and the current landscape and projects, you know, player combinations, how frequently players are drafted together, how frequently X players are stacked with a quarterback, you know, and all the other things that Rob says. We also obviously have more than just combinations and stacks. I know you can't see it here when I click on it. It doesn't show up when you're screen sharing, but we have uh, combinations of the first three rounds. So you want to get a little funky in your first, second, third round pick. We have the most popular pairings, right? Usually the ones that line up by ADP. And then we have things like uh, week 17 stacks on there. You want to see what the chalkiest week 17 stacks are. We have that. And then what we call draft rate. So anybody that's not getting drafted 100% of the time, you'll be able to see them. I can even just click over to this one really quickly. You see, so Tyler Conklin, right? Going to be drafted most of the time, but not 100%, right? And so you can find maybe some guys that you like, dislike, whatever uh, funny, like Travion Williams has become a, a talking point or whatever, uh, only being drafted in 12% of drafts. Right. So there's different things uh, within the ownership projections that you can all play around with and and dig into. But today we're going to obviously be talking a little bit more about these these double stacks and using this data to kind of drive some of the conversation. So if you have questions, 
you know, you like, you're like, Hey, I really like this stack. Can you show it? What, what, you know, am I drafting the chalk or is it, is it unique or whatever? Feel free, pop them in the comments. Um, or, you know, we'll answer in the comments after the show or drop them in the chat and we will, uh, we'll hit it live. Yeah. Um, do you want to dive into some of these questions? Cause there's one in particular that I really want to hit on. Let's that. hit some of the, let's hit some of the fun. Jo- Josh, of course, says, I sincerely hope we're touting giants doubles tonight. Um, I don't know if I will be, I don't know if they make my list of my favorite, uh, stacks. I, I, I do want to, to say to Rob last year was shitting all over my, uh, New York giants love. And I feel happy about the New York giants stacks, even though it was really just, who, Daniel Jones. Who got it, was really, there? <laughs> it was really just, it was really just, it's really just Daniel Jones. Just let me have my half W. Okay. Because the other side was, I was touting jet stacks and that, that went about as poorly as it could possibly go. This one B Kurt will, will make my list. Vadim, uh, is interested in they talk about the oh shit stacks. This is this is definitely the Patriots are probably the the go to oh shit stack. And then uh, another oh shit stack from Vadim, uh, Mingo and and Bryce Young and uh, Packers. But uh, what what was uh, the co- question comment that you wanted to bring up to start? So off? the one that LJ is talking about, where he says that um, yeah, there's two that he goes into about. He thinks he's right, but forgetting the number of entry drives your picks and that your bankroll makes some of these player choices for you if you're limited to a certain number of entries. And to that, it, it can be true. Uh, this this becomes a personal mindset thing, I believe, where you need to understand what your mindset is when you go into this stuff and how comfortable you are in certain tournaments. So I always go to my poker analogies, right? And if you play live poker, everyone's like, well, you need to have 300 buy-ins to even buy into a tournament. <laughs> and it's not feasible in live poker because of the price that live poker tournaments is. So when I would go play live tournaments and I was putting in 75% of my bankroll for one tournament, I understood the risk. When I sat down, that goes out the window for me. I play the tournament the way I'm going to play the tournament. That bankroll is not in my mind. If, if that stuff is going to start affecting you, for me personally, everybody's different, then I'm not going to play that tournament. If I think my bankroll isn't enough to play, um, you know, the $10 DK one, then I'm firing that 20 max $3 one and doing that. There are enough tournaments to play at the volume you're comfortable with to get the type of teams you want to get if you only have five hundred dollars probably don't fire the five hundred dollar tournament right like don't don't single don't fire one tournament there there are ways to play this game and we've talked about it ourselves i'm gonna take a little more risk this year by firing more big buy-in tournaments and probably reducing the amount of teams that i normally have so Although DK is making that a little hard because they're yes, introducing they some, some really, really nice tournaments. That three max $9 one. I don't know if you got to dive into the, the payouts on that. I think it's the perfect tournament. Like I just looked at it. I'm like, these payouts are great. It's a three max. It's $9. Like, yes, please. I'll take that. They have a hundred dollar version of it as well. And it's just like, man, they DK is, is like really trying to take the crowd and best ball this year and they have a chance to do it it's great for players right the yeah. this is the perfect time to be a player because there's a lot of competition amongst the sites and uh DraftKings doesn't care about now they're not going to lose money on these tournaments first of all let's just get that out of the way they're going to fill um 
you know, even like if the even if that milli, you know, the big, huge $10 milli, which is the data that we're going to look at here today, doesn't fill, it's going to get close enough that they're really not going to lose that much money, nor do they care about it. Uh, so all that means it's great for players. And just to the bankroll uh, point, I, I, I agree with absolutely everything that you said. And so first, there's definitely like DraftKings has tons. Like, dude, you want to play uh, as like if, if you want to fire a bunch of teams, but not spend a ton of money. There are absolutely options for that. And like you said, DraftKings has a bunch of like really good tournaments that are actually for that as mm-hmm. well. Our friends at Drafters, which if you haven't deposited there, of course, in the upper corner, there's a, a promo code for you to get a deposit bonus, which is another thing I would take advantage of if I were uh, not necessarily just Drafters, but any deposit bonus if you're a new player because it's free. That's free free entries. They're just giving you money to go play. And it's 100%, you know, so you deposit 100 bucks, you get 100 bucks free from the site. Drafters is a $3 tournament, right? So you put a, like a hundred bucks of your bankroll onto drafters. They give you a hundred bucks. There's, there's 200 bucks. That's a lot of free. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of $3 teams. Right. And so there are ways to play it. And I totally agree. Like bankroll management is the beginning. Everybody has to start and realize what are you comfortable playing? Cause you also need to know in order to win, you have to be able to take risks and you ha- that in- inherently means you could, all this money could go, could be gone right? Uh, we get to December, you lose every dollar and you have to be willing to lose. And so mm-hmm. that's def- the bankroll management part is up to everybody. Um, but let's get into uh, some of these, some of these double stacks. I didn't even realize Rob, Rob says I made three, I made three finals on uh, DraftKings and one of them was the $9 uh, three, <laughs> three entry max. And uh, I actually finished reasonably well uh, on that team. It was my only not my only non Hertz uh, finals team. It was Mahomes Kelsey. So uh, maybe maybe that's going to be my new favorite tournament. Yeah. And that leads us right into these double stacks because the double stack captain is Mahomes Kelsey. And uh, but the thing that I was looking at, even though Mahomes Kelsey Tony, right, is the main double stack, like as we look at it for this particular tournament, we're projecting a 13 percent ownership it is still just 13%. And then the next one is Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, and that drops a full 4%. So we're saying that none of these double stacks are going to be over 10% owned. And even if we're off by a little bit, right? Say it is, say one of them, say Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey is 15% owned. Like, that's fine. One out of every, you know, 15 out of 100 teams are going to have that double stack. Then Then you're you're just in a great spot if you get those teams through. Now, it still means that a lot of teams that have these double stacks that go off are going to get teams through, and you worry about it at that point. But I think you're just seeing the the limited amount that's going on with some of these double stacks for multiple reasons. It's hard to do some of these. It's yeah. not easy to get these double stacks. And as we look at the Mahomes ones, like that's not even the ones I want to talk about, but you can see that. <laughs> The one thing that people are doing smartly is like if they have Mahomes, they are trying to double stack him. His his numbers are adding up way better than every other quarterback yep. on here. Uh, so I think if you're not double stacking Mahomes, you're at a significant disadvantage based on that because everybody else is. So w- regardless of how you do it, because there's multiple, multiple different ways to do it. As we said, the, the biggest one's 13%. But if you're not double stacking a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who has like seven of the top 10 spots on this list, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say that team is dead, 
but that team is at a significant disadvantage. And one other tidbit I want to add in is I don't think you need to stop at double stacking with some of these teams. I think you can, you know, onslaught some of these quarterbacks and it doesn't even have to be the top ones. I think there are ways to do some of these teams and get like a full onslaught. Uh, and we're going to talk about some of these teams that I like in a few minutes, but I just want to make sure we have that caveat in there. A hundred percent. This is what I was going to add. And the, the, uh, the Mahomes thing driving um, a lot of this and part of why, right? Why is the model projecting? Uh, God, I shouldn't say that. Why are our projections saying, I, I hate you know, everybody. My model, my model says, <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, come on. Like we're fantasy football players. Let's chill on the uh, you know, sophisticated st- statistical model. It's really not that. It's really not that serious. Uh, so please, just somebody uh, make fun of me when I I say that, which I inevitably will. Mahomes is one where a from a just let's just use our brains. Mahomes is not a big runner. He can run. He will probably mm-hmm. run for a couple touchdowns and you know a couple hundred yards or something. But that's not you know Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts rushing is a huge. The fields, Lamar, etc. It's a huge part of their game. Mahomes is awesome for fantasy because the dude's like the best passer of all t- of all of all time, and they throw a lot, of course. And so, inherently, if a guy is is paying off that lofty of a price as a quarterback, as a passer, almost entirely as a passer, naturally you should want more of his stacking partners with him. Right. It just also he has only one weapon that goes very highly and that's Travis Kelsey. So naturally people that take Kelsey in the first round are often taking Mahomes in the second round. And then you can always get right. Why? Like you said, why are like seven of the top 10 uh, highest owned double stacks Mahomes? Because it, you can do it whenever the hell you want. Like it's, you you actually can't always do it uh, whenever you want, other than the, Oh shit, uh, the Oh shit stacks. It's not as easy for a lot of these, even though it may feel like it is because of what Josh says. It seems easy. You're like, well, yeah, CD goes at the one-two turn. Dax a six-round pick, seventh-round pick, or whatever. That seems easy. Cooks is here. But you're kind of not thinking about it generally when the quarterback goes a little bit later, right? Mm -hmm. You're thinking about it at the beginning, like Mahomes, Kelsey. You're like, boom, Chiefs. Okay, got Kelsey. Let's look at Mahomes. Or boom, got Chase. Let's get Burrow. But like, just kind of like we're human. As the draft goes on, oh, I've made a bunch of picks, right? I took CD in the first round. Dax... You know, if there's 20 minutes go by before de- before you get back in Dax there, you may not have planned for it. And so it, it does happen less than you think. And the ADP value thing, we are so ingrained. And this is not, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but the ADP value thing is like, A, it feels good, right? You get this, <laughs> you get that great rush of, I just got that guy around after ADP. Plus there, you know, is some data to support ADP value just generally being good to your mm-hmm. overall upside of your team. And so people don't want to be like, oh, I took, I took whatever, Dak 12 picks ahead of ADP to secure my stack. And so that's also where you, of course you want to be smart, but I do think there's some reasons to, with this data, say, I would rather get the double stack and give up a little bit of ADP value. Again, not a ton. No one's saying take a guy who goes 80th overall 60th, but like, a couple extra picks of ADP value, does it really offset the correlation and the upside when it's maybe not being done as much as we think? Um, because I agree with Josh. I think that's how we all feel. And you get into the draft and it, it can be a little unnatural to end up with that double stack if you're not planning for it specifically and you're worried about ADP value. 
the stacks can sometimes fall by the wayside. And I think that might be wrong. And that kind of gets into some of the stacks that I want to go over. And you do have to plan for them. There's two teams specifically that I'm thinking about this with. And if you want to pull up, let's start with Trevor Lawrence. Okay. I want you, I want to show the Trevor Lawrence double stack ownership uh, projections right now because they're kind of mind boggling. So as you can see, uh, for our audio listeners, we're looking at Trevor Lawrence, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, 7%. And then Zay Jones and Kirk at 6%. And then it's Zay and Ingram at 5%. Who have I not mentioned yet? Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley, right? Look at this list. Do you see Calvin Ridley on this list, like, at all? Nope. Nobody's doing it. Okay. So nobody's double stacking Calvin Ridley. It's under 2% per per double stack there that's our cutoff yeah so it doesn't mean it's literally of course there are lawrence ridley double stacks it just means that it's a very low number is basically what this is telling us all right so now if we were to say which two wide receivers would you want with trevor lawrence (laughs) who would you say this is my favorite game this is my favorite game it's like no one's doing this and now let's think about who do we want to have stacked with the the guy (laughs) yeah you want calvin ridley and you want christian kirk well, at least that's what i would want with him like in Preferably. a perfect world yep. the guys that i can get so let's say we go into a draft and we decide we want to go lawrence we want to get that triple stack it's actually not that hard to get because we're going to do a little bit of reaching it's nothing crazy um we're going to take a wide receiver in the first round we'll take our running back in the second we'll take calvin ridley in the third christian kirk in the fourth and we'll get trevor lawrence in the fifth And I guarantee you can do that most of the time based on draft position. You're doing a little bit of reaching, but that fourth round wide receiver range, like do you, we're already picking names out of a hat, right? We're already starting there. Not allowed to draft DJ Moore. not allowed to draft, you know, we're not, there's all about, it's a, it's a list of guys that everybody hates. So why, if we hate everyone that goes after DK Metcalf, which is basically what happens, DK, maybe Debo. Everybody that goes after DK Metcalf is like super flawed. So why do why are we then going to be slate? ADP value is good as a macro concept, but there are micro examples like this one where why are we valuing ADP value of a tier where they're all the same, right? As opposed to valuing the double stack. The only way this like really kind of gets thrown off is if you have an early third round pick because there is to me there is a significant difference in in tiers. At one point, like right after Ramondre, I think there's a significant drop pers- personally. Big time. So, like, maybe I don't want to do it there, but if I'm getting a little past there where I'm after the Ramondre drafter, it's like, okay, I'll just fire up Calvin Ridley and then I'll take Christian Kirk and then I'll get Trevor Lawrence. Am I doing this every single draft? No. But say you do it three, three times, four times, and 150 max tournament that you're maxing out, you're going to be more happy than not that you did this double stack with trevor lawrence you know and it still doesn't kill you you still have significant investment in your first round wide receiver your second round running back whatever you decide to do with those two picks and you have a double stack for a team that we're projecting to be at least 100 a top 10 offense this year with top five upside mm-hmm. and you're still one-offing on some of the better teams in the league it's it just but none of us including myself none of us are doing it 
right? Nobody's doing this. Tell you me like the, the Jags time. more than anybody, and you have you're not and even I, doing it till you saw this. Yeah. Yeah. Until I started like really thinking about this earlier today. And now it's like I'm going to make it a point to do this in a couple drafts in the next couple days at least, and just kind of track it and see how I can keep doing it and if it still makes sense as we go. It's just such a good example of these very rare and, and random situations where this is mostly by ADP, but there, it, like you said, it's one thing I would not, I totally agree. Let's just call Ramondre that tier break. So middle of the third round, I don't, I don't, I don't want to forego that ADP value when I'm jumping over tiers to get mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley. And, and I, in my opinion, again, if people are allowed to have player take disagreements, Going above Ramondre and Brees, obviously Pollard, Chubb. Uh, I don't really care about Derrick Henry, but if you like Derrick Henry, right, Josh Jacobs, jumping over those guys, T, I'm not doing that for this. Correct. But once you get past there, I mean, dude, I'm struggling, like, and I've gotten so many, all, like all my drafts are like picking 10th or 11th, it feels like, mm-hmm. which I keep hearing people say that. Who's getting the early picks? I would like to know because every yeah. like stream yeah. I watch, every single person's like, "Oh, I just keep getting the eleventh pick." I'm like, "Who the fuck is getting the third? I want that. Can I get the third pick once, just one time, to see how it feels? That would be nice." Yeah. yeah. But when you get that into that late third round, I'm like, I, I'm just like taking Lamar because <laughs> it's like I don't know, I don't really yeah. care for any of these wide receivers, right? I'm doing some Fields, DJ Moore, which is not even like super unique. I'm doing some Andrews, who I don't even like. I'm fine with Mark Andrews, but I'm not like pounding the table for third round Mark Andrews. It's like, I'm just taking guys. So this is the the perfect time to do these kinds of things. When you kind of figure out it's only happening because people don't realize why it's happening as opposed to, right. If it were all about that, we get it. Like their, their ADP lines up, you know, around that Ramondre tier, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we don't, we don't really want to go out of our way for this, but when, when it's in this specific area, this is the exact kind of thing, regardless of how you feel about the Jags. Look, if you don't want to stack the Jags, don't stack the Jags, but it's an example of the kind of thing you should be looking for because there will be multiple of these that exist every, every year. And if you like the Jags, then more power to you. This is the, (laughs) this is the perfect thing uh, to go mix in. And like you said, you're not doing it every draft. You're not doing it when it doesn't make sense. And you're just, figuring out exactly how many times to kind of dip your toes in here, right? If you're 150 maxing a tournament, few times, three, four, five, six times, and you're good, right? Because it's 1% owned. So you get it in 5% of your teams and it's 1% owned. You have massive leverage on the field and you take your shot on that stack being the one you need to navigate through the the playoffs. It's like, that's again, it's micro edges. That's a micro edge. That is it likely to be the reason that you win? No, nothing is individually likely to be the reason that you win, but we want to keep building in these little tiny edges and set ourselves up to get lucky, right? Because every single team has a bunch of these little edges. We don't know which one's going to come true, but we have, we give ourselves a bunch of shots. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't have to like this particular team but there are other teams that you do like. So if you want, I'll go for the other one that is kind of like the same idea as this one. And then we can talk about some of yours, but look up Justin Herbert real quick. And let's start looking at some of his double stacks. So the (laughs) most popular one is Herbert Palmer, 
That's egregious. Quentin Johnson for 5%. And then it's Williams Quentin Johnson for 5%. Then it's Allen Quentin Johnson for 4%. So I like Quentin Johnson this year. I do want him. But another, but there's two different versions of doubles that I want here. Well, actually three, I guess. So it's it's clearly like if I'm taking Herbert, then I'm putting a bet in on Keenan Allen and Mike Williams most likely. So how do we get that double stack? And if Eckler is the guy there, why are we not doing Herbert Eckler Allen or Herbert Eckler Johnson or Mike Williams ones, right? And that's mm-hmm. not hard to get. You're drafting towards the end of the of the first round. You pick up Eckler in either the end of the first, early second, and then you can kind of set up however you want to do the double at that point with Herbert. So, I mean, I again, I, I'm with Ross. I like the Lawrence doubles better than the Herbert doubles, but I don't know if I'm cold fading Herbert like I did last year. And if I'm not cold fading him, then I'm going to be specifically doubling him and this data is making me want to do it a bit more than I was well than last year because I did not take Justin Herbert last year. So uh, it's just kind of that it's it just this one seems even easier personally. There's more options and it sets up a little bit easier. The the Williams Keenan Allen one is tough. That is the one that you will have to reach for Mike Williams a bit in the third to do the third, fourth, fifth round. But it's not impossible, and everything else kind of sets up relatively easy. But it's also the same concept, right? As the as the Jaguars, you have to kind of remove the player name because again, I, do I love reaching? Right, that the phrase "reaching for Mike Williams" doesn't exactly make you very excited. But like again, he's in the tier with with the Jags guys and Amari Cooper and DJ Moore and Christian Watson, and so if you're going to build in some charge, it this is. This whole conversation and these these stacks are, I think, as best ball players, we're very excited to draft. We're very excited for the new season or whatever. You fire off some drafts. You just start ripping guys. The ADP starts to fall together. And you don't take the approach first to, to look at all of this and say, right, in DFS, God damn it. Sorry, another DFS reference. But ownership and what our opponents, like you almost start with what your opponents are doing. You start with projection, which is ranking slash ADP. Mm-hmm. But beyond there, it's like, what are my opponents doing? Because this is a freaking peer-to-peer game. I'm trying to, like, me and Rob talk about this, but at the end of the day, I would like to win the $3 million. He can have yeah. second, but yeah. I, I, would like to, I would like to win the $3 million. And so I need to figure out what my, where there might be leaks in my opponent's game right? Based on things like ownership. And in DFS, that's right. Leverage plays exist. We talk about leverage all the time in best ball, but leverage exists in DFS because when uh, Devante Adams is super chalky and Josh Jacobs is low owned, Josh Jacobs creates leverage on the chalky Devante Adams and vice versa, right? It's clearly easy to le- direct leverage, little tougher sometimes in best ball, but we don't start with these things when in reality, we probably should, not to the extent of DFS, right? Because again, we're talking about the highest owned stacks being, uh, you know, the highest owned single stacks being 40, 50%, the highest owned double stacks being 15% or whatever. But we never stop and have this conversation about like, what do you think about the Chargers this year? Oh, they're fine. What do you think about the fact that every Charger stack is Quentin Johnston, right? right, right. Not not Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Like there's no Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Justin Herbert stacks, right? There's no Lawrence Kirk, 
Ridley stacks. It's like, if there's none of them, maybe we could take a couple, like we could take a couple of these, right? There's, there's really no reason like ADP is just a construct. I know ADP value and all that shit matters, but at the end of the day, it's really just kind of a construct. If you, it, it doesn't trump everything and it definitely doesn't trump, you know, in a flat tier, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams never, ever being drafted with Justin Herbert. Like that's silly last year at more expensive prices. I know Quentin Johnston is there, but last year at more expensive prices, people were loading up on the chargers, dude, Mm -hmm. loading up the two, three turn was Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, like mega chalk this year. No one's drafting them together. It doesn't make any, it makes no sense. The offense is better. I know they have QJ, but like they're cheaper. They're also cheaper. And so, they're just little little gaps in the market, I think, that we can just sprinkle in, right? Micro edges. And you can even be site-specific for some of these players and do it. Because let's look at, we're looking at the DK Millie, which obviously bonus points and um, it's full point PPR. And we want to talk about a guy that's like built more for DK than any of the other sites. It's like a Keenan Allen who can catch seven passes, eight passes a game for a hundred yards with no touchdown. So now we start talking about, we want to pair him with Eckler who catches a high volume of passes and it's not for one game either. Remember that. So now you have Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler on the site that they're better on at 3% with Justin Herbert. And you're, they're getting you points the entire year. So guess what? They don't have to go off at the same time every week. Like that, that's not what a double stack in best ball is. You brought up the example, I think last week or the week before about two years ago where nobody had Jamar chase in the finals because it was T Higgins who went off the week before, but guess what? You get the double stack through, you have them both. One of them goes, Austin Eckler goes off week 16. Boom. He gets you through. Oh, well, guess what? You still have the double stack now with Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen catches 11 passes week 17 for 130 yards. And he doesn't even score a touchdown, but he still gets you 25 points on on the day. Herbert does it with still throwing Eckler five passes, and Eckler has the touchdown. It's like there's your double stack going off, and you didn't need it to go off all three weeks, and you're doing this with multiple offenses. Like, I don't know, man. I think we're I think we're overlooking this more than anything else in best ball at the moment. I think so too. The and that data from two years ago, um, there is an article. Just go. To, I won't click off of here and make you guys look at it because it's a long, long article. But there's just some good. There's specific data about advance rates and how many of those teams made the finals and how many were drafted and all that kind of fun stuff. But long story short, Joe Burrow was the quarterback one in Week 16 and Week 17 in all of fantasy. In Week 16, it was T. Higgins was the wide receiver one in all of fantasy. And in week 17, it was Jamar Chase was the wide receiver one in all of fantasy. Is that going to happen most years? No, of course not. But the point is the leverage is instantly built in with that. And that year in particular, it's a little trickier now. Like I'm not trying to say do that with the Bengals right now, although I don't hate it with the Bengals this year, but it's a little more, little more popular and it's much pricier, right? If you recall T and Chase went like fourth fifth round burrow at like sixth or seventh round that year so Mm. it's much more it's much more similar to like this chargers example or the jags example or some examples like that where you got like guys going in the fourth through the seventh eighth round and just by kind of sheer happenstance no one is no one is doing that uh there were only a thousand teams 
in all of best ball mania. What was that? Three that are two that uh, drafted a Joe Burrow double stack. We look back on that now and you're like, what? <laughs> like yeah. what? There are only a thousand Joe Burrow double stacks with, with Jamar chase and T Higgins a thousand. Right. And, and like now chase is a first round pick, right? T's a two, three turn pick and Burrow's a, fourth round pick or whatever now it's absurd and people are doing it more now but we want to be that we want to do it in these examples when no one's doing it and before um, the chargers may not be the best example because like keenan's probably never gonna like you know be a superstar maybe mike mike williams isn't for fantasy these guys aren't going in the first round but still the premise is the same no one's doing this the cost is fine it's in a totally flat flat tier and it builds in instant leverage right it's again if you get lucky how do we create an edge for if I get lucky? Cause when I get lucky, I want to win the tournament. Yeah. Right. I, I don't, I don't want to be coin flipping 18th round picks. Like I'm fine to coin flip 18 round picks along with these other things, but I don't want to go in and just say, Oh, I got all the chalk here and I'm praying to God. Jerome Ford scores three touchdowns. <laughs> like that doesn't sound like a very good way to win this tournament. So I want to stack up these edges. And these are just these tiny little, tiny little things. Uh, this is funny. Olaf says, uh, just to give it as a double stuff word. That's true. Does anyone buy single stuff Oreos? Psychopaths. Psychopaths <laughs> buy single. I, whenever I see, so there's two things with Oreos. If we really want to get into the dynamics of Oreos, if you buy a single like regular Oreo, you are a complete psychopath and I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> double stuff is okay. Mega stack is the way to go. And you put them in the freezer. I'll, I'll accept the refrigerator. Okay. If you leave them out on the counter, you're also a psychopath. Oreos <laughs> need to be cold. So if we want to do this Oreo rant, I can do Oreo rants because I've gone to people's houses that still buy the single ones. And I've I've had conversations with them about it. Like, do you understand that it's 2023 and it's not 1956? Like, w- we need to do at least the double staff. That's the minimum. So think of it like the Oreo. We need to do at least the double stack. That's the, mi- the minimum. If you want to mega st- stack it, it's great too. But yeah, if you're if you're doing the single dip, like, come on, bro, what are we doing? And don't Seriously. buy these freaking Oreos that they're selling for three dollars per Oreo that they're like dipping in chocolate and selling. Like, oh, what yeah. is that? What 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 a waste of money that is. It is it is Oreos are Oreos are quite like best ball actually. We they they we perfected it the double stack, <laughs> yeah. right? It's a perfect product. We had an original single, right? And we figured out if we just add a little more of that good stuff in the middle, it's perfect. Mm. They're still idiots, psychopaths, as we've said, <laughs> serial killers who yes. will buy single who will buy single stuff when we know that there is a better version. They're the same price, <laughs> right? Just get the better version. But then you also have on the other end, which, you know, I can get a little galaxy brain too. We have the perfect thing. There's no need to dip the Oreo in chocolate or, you know, mint <laughs> covering, right? It's like you, you have this double stack. We don't need four more chargers on this team, fella. You got it. It's good. You built yeah. a good team. Yeah. We don't need Josh. It doesn't need Josh Palmer. Okay. Like this team doesn't need Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer is like the, yeah, the, they dip it in some, <laughs> some mint or wintergreen or, yeah. or, you know, something fruity. It's like, no, <laughs> it's good. It was perfect before the double stack. It's good. We're good. Yeah. We, I don't know. <laughs> Wondering how that Oreo rant's going to translate for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Den, you, Denver just showed up and he's like, 
<laughs> Double stacks, or are we talking desserts and cookies here? <laughs> yeah. This is what we've learned. Updog says Josh Palmer hates Josh Palmer hates Oreos. That's probably true. Yeah. The Hydrox. Who buys the Hydrox? I think I think I had that once, and I think I, I was sick for like a week. Like, what is this fake food you're feeding me? It's called Hydrox. It sounds like a cleaning. It sounds <laughs> yeah, like it sounds like supply. something you're supposed to put on your skin. <laughs> <laughs> this is like you went for a walk, you know, out in the woods or something, and you come back and you're like, ah, I'm, I'm real itchy when I got back. Let me let me get the Hydrox. Rub it on my, uh, rub it on my, you know, mosquito bites or whatever. Anyway, we've derailed, but uh, it was actually kind of a. I'm going to use that analogy in the, the future. The double stacks are just the double stuffed Oreos. We've nailed it, but some idiots still just won't just won't get the just won't get uh, the right one. Was there any other stacks that you uh, that you wanted to look at besides those two before we maybe dig into uh, a couple others? No, I want to dig into some of yours. But for me, those two were so similar. And like I was real cognizant of them earlier today. And again, maybe I don't do the Herbert one, but I still find it a, a fascinating stack that like you can do. But the Jags one in particular for me is like, I, I got to make sure I'm firing that double somewhat here and there. So I, 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 I like to come into these shows without doing all of the complete and other, utter uh, uh, prep work before. But uh, this one I did look, <clears throat> I admit, so that's why I'm pulling it up. The, the the Seahawks are a super interesting stack to me, and they're also a team that like just screams double stack to me. And I can't figure they're another one that I can't figure out why this is what we're doing with mm. with the double stacks. And so first, let's start with the wide receivers in a vacuum. They have three, right? Three really good ones. And mm. so you may be worried for aren't you worried? You may be worried for in a vacuum, any three of these wide receivers like crap now they have jsn we've been drafting dk and Lockett because they are it's them the whole offense through the past game is those two guys now you introduce you know the best rookie wide receiver how does that you know change their values and that's a total like how you rank those guys specifically is is totally fine but i think again when we think about it from a macro perspective and you say i don't know seahawks offense was pretty good for two-thirds of last year i know it uh you know, petered out down the stretch a little bit, but mm -hmm. now they add JSN and for whatever we care about Zach Charbonnet, they, they do add another second round skill player. It's a pretty damn talented <laughs> offense. Yeah. Gino clearly has upside. He showed us that last year. Again, he's a, a runner to the extent where like eh, 300 yards and a couple of rushing touchdowns, maybe as a rusher or something like that. So he's got some juice on, on the ground and he has three star wide receivers. And yet I think because we're, we, I say we as a market, not we as in anybody in the chat or me or you specifically, we are like, I don't know what to do with Seattle's wide receivers. So we're just not drafting the appropriate double stacks. When I look at this and I say, how we don't ever get to the actual good stacks until 2%. And even then there's like, it's 2% Gino, JSN, DK Metcalf. Show me where DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Geno Smith is. Like, what are we what are we doing? And if you want to buy JSN, right, you have a player take or whatever. But the point about this is all three of those guys have upside. Do I know specifically who is exactly going to hit in Seattle? No, I know some people like Lockett better. 
Some people like JSN, DK, that's fine. But the point is, if this offense is anywhere near as good as we think, it, it they can all be good, or mm-hmm. two out of the three can be good, which lends itself to double stacks. Geno is cheap, so you can get these double stacks if you just use your brain a little bit and remove yourself from the ADP. Like you get to that fifth round range, you're like, oh, okay, I don't have Metcalf. There's JSN. Now let's get, now let's make sure we get Lockett. Even if I have to reach a little bit on somebody, let's get Lockett. Then let's prioritize Geno because nobody has it. Nobody has that stack. Like Noah Fant, again, I know it's only 3%, but 3% of the stacks have Noah Fant. A way too many percentage of the stacks have Zach Charbonnet. (laughs) (laughs) like you know and there's a you know there's all all this noah fant and zach charbonnet and none of the superstar wide receivers and the the the, just the last thing is those wide receivers have as much contingent value as any like what what if something happens to tyler lockett you want uh dk metcalf jsn stack with geno smith if something happens to tyler lockett i do i i would like that that seems pretty good you know and vice versa and so there's just like so many ways for a stack like this to get there. And again, I think it's because we view players too much in a vacuum when we're drafting them. Mm. And we don't view, like, I want to put together this portfolio of stacks. And we just, we just get to September and we say, oh, I don't have any Geno Metcalf Lockett stacks. That seems weird because I kind of like those guys or whatever. But it's because in the draft, you're like, oh, no, I like this guy better than this guy. Or eh, I don't know about the Seattle wide receivers. And then you get to the get to the season and you're like, you don't necessarily have in your portfolio what you think you should have. I also think that if we want to just stick with the Oreo analogy and we talk about the mega stuff, I don't know if there's a better team than Seattle for that because you can get DK Metcalf in the fourth. You can get one of the other two wide receivers at a reasonable price between sixth, eighth round, whatever, wherever they're going right now. Mm-hmm. Then you're still able to get Geno with no problem, right? So there's your double. And when we're in the 18th round and no offense sitting there and we're doing a, a punt tight end build where we're doing three tight ends, why don't – I mean, no offense just as good as almost anybody in that range down there. He's not a he's not a like world beater, but Noah Fant's going to catch some touchdowns this year. Why can't we do the double wide receiver with Noah Fant and Geno Smith, especially when the prices are reasonable? I I'm one of the people that as I'm drafting, I try to see what I'm overlooking, right? Over a a bunch of drafts, and Seattle is one of those teams that I have nothing against, but I've been un what's the word i'm looking for i haven't meant to do it but i've been overlooking seattle and it's i've been cognizant of it the last like few days so it is something that i is is in my brain that i need to get more seattle stacks but i will guarantee that when i get seattle stacks they will all be double stacks in some form or fashion so it is something that i think happens with drafters i really think it's i really just think it's something where look I feel the same way. You tell me which Seattle wide receiver is going to have the best fantasy season, but that's not what this game is, right? right? This game, we're not, we're not playing the prediction game. If that's true, go bet season long props, right? If you're, if you're sitting here, I'm going to be a predictor of the season long performance of DK Metcalf versus Tyler Lockett. Go for it. There's markets that you can make money. You can profit on that, that kind of a thing, but we're trying to build best ball teams and beat hundreds of thousands of other people. And so I want to set myself up for situations that would allow me 
to do that. And I, 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 I don't know anyone that's like, oh yeah, the Seattle offense, they're going to suck. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't really heard anybody say that. I don't really think that there's a reasonable <laughs> take that would, that would back that up. But yet, because in a va- because we draft so much with players in a vacuum, right? Even go look, look, I do this too. Go look at Twitter. When someone says, show me your, show me your best ball teams. What do people do? Individual player exposures, right? Yeah. It's yeah. all individual player exposures, but like your portfolio isn't just about individual player exposures. I know that's the easiest way to show like, I like this guy and I don't like this guy. Mm-hmm. That's not really how it should be. It's just like, again, stupid DFS reference, but lineups, not players. Your lineup is the most, imp- your, your whole draft, 20 rounds is the most important thing. Not just like, did you take Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf on that team? Yeah. And to your point where we have to beat hundreds of thousands of players, which is true, but the first 14 weeks, we just need to beat 10 players usually, right? Yeah. We only need to beat 10 other people. So if we hit on the right doubles and the right, in the right stacks, it gives us a massive edge over the rest of those other 10 guys. Cause two of you are advancing out of 12. So you only got to beat 10. And then it kind of goes that way for the next two rounds too. Like it's one out of whatever, 16, 12, yep. two, 12 like, on 12 on DK and the Millie and uh, 16 yeah. on underdog. Yep. Still just got to beat 11 people. If you have the right two double stacks, I mean, you got a massive edge again. So it's easier to be right in that fashion when you're when you're in a smaller field like that and it it just seems you don't even need the correlation right you don't need the the week 15 correlation if seattle's your stack and you have no bring back but that game goes off and you have three of the four pieces in that game that goes off say it's gino dk metcalf and um say no offense catches a touchdown pass right and you have that you have that double and the bring back will say, I don't even know who they play week 15. Debo Samuel goes off, but you don't have Eagles. Debo. Oh, well, even better. Um, <laughs> but but say A.J. Brown goes off and you don't have them. Like, yeah, you want them. But if you have three of the four pieces and everybody else only has one of the of the four pieces, you're probably in a better shape, right? I mean, that's like I'm, the, the way I'm describing it is like, you know, relative. But of course. It's, it's just such an easy way to be different from the field but it shouldn't be we talk about double stacks all the time you hear all kinds of people talk about double stacks and we almost just gloss over it like it's like oh yeah you mm-hmm. should be double stacking it's like okay but you're but no one is like again relative but go through or, go or through when they are when they are it's i took dk metcalf now let's throw noah fant on and i'm not saying that is wrong i i agree with that part it's always look, I fall into this trap all the time too. It's like, okay, got my CD and Dak stack. I need a late round tight end. That's where I'm gonna get my second part of the double stack, right? Or up, uh, I need a seventh or eighth wide receiver. Let's just toss Gallup on there. No one ever says, I want DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Geno Smith. Let's make that happen on a certain amount of, yeah. of teams because everybody just thinks in a vacuum throughout the course of the draft. And so um it's definitely been like a big light bulb moment where I'm like my God, there's none of these. Like, like think of all these stacks that like don't exist in these tournaments. Like, mm-hmm. so like if you have it and it hits, if you have all of the low owned stacks, and it's a lot of the times the premium guys, <laughs> if you have all these options and no one else has them, does like you'll you'll flip over the cards and your exposures, 
and people be like, you know, what? That's crazy. You know, you, you know, it doesn't look like what I think it would look like because you said you like whatever Damian Harris, <laughs> you know, me talking about Damian Harris every day, but your exposures say this. And I'm like, well, because my exposures are me implementing a strategy, right? And my strategy is based around no one drafted fucking Seattle double stacks. No right. one drafted this. My strategy isn't just, I think I'm going to be right about this player. There can be that, of course. And there are players I believe that you can take stands on, but your whole thing isn't just, let's flip over the exposure percentages for individual players. You're creating a portfolio of teams, right? And the teams should be dictated by some of this stuff like the double stacks. Yeah. And what I was going to say is just basically go to your last like two or three drafts and just kind of glance through the teams and see how many of those teams are actually double stacked. I bet it's going to be lower than you than you actually expect within those drafts would be my first point. And I think that Updog brings up a really good point in the chat where he says, I think um, we underweight what a QB means to our roster. Like we need him in multiple guys to pop. I, I think it's become just to what I was saying earlier, I think that's a talking point where people say it and then just don't do it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. They understand that they're supposed to do it, but in the context of everything else, maybe it just gets lost. They're not thinking about it or it's the ADP thing um, where they're like, Ooh, um, why would I take, I like Terry McLaurin more than I like Christian Kirk. Why would I take Christian Kirk right now when Terry McLaurin's seven picks above ADP? In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't freaking matter in that spot. <laughs> no, it just really doesn't. And I'll give credit to Davis Maddock because I think this is something that he talks about doing that maybe you should be cognizant of doing is as soon as he's seeing his week 17 matchups or his stack matchups, he's talked about just going through and queuing all the players for that team. Um, uh, including the bringbacks, but just specifically for this for this um, discussion, as soon as you draft the guy that you're cognizant of that you want to get a double stack with, maybe we go through and we draft Calvin Ridley, we star Christian Kirk, we star Trevor Lawrence, we star all the Jaguars that we want for that double stack, and we do it for other players or whatever quarterback you have. But that way you're just cognizant of like, okay, this guy's 13 picks, past where i would take him right now it's a full round but i'm definitely not going to get him coming back because i'm one of the end drafters am i comfortable taking this guy in this particular spot to get this double i think a lot of times you're going to say yes i don't think it's 100 percent across the board you're going to say yes every time but i think a lot of times you're going to be like i just like this guy better for this double stack it just makes more sense than one offing um rishi rice in this spot. <laughs> yeah. i don't have any other thing so why would i want off when i can get jalen hyatt a little bit earlier and i'm setting up some sort of daniel jones double whatever that double may be so i, I think those are the things we need to be cognizant of i totally agree and so what i was going to piggyback on is <clears throat> a what you said but then someone might say okay i started to figure out some of these things i want to implement that maybe i wasn't devin devin mentions i might not be double stacking as much as i as i thought i was Right. Well, how do you figure these things out? How do you figure out if you have any Gino Metcalf locket or right? Or mm -hmm. you say, I want to get the Lawrence Ridley Kirk thing. How do I kind of figure out what I'm getting, what I shouldn't get? And that's part of what we built here as well. If you use our draft IQ tool and you go over to exposures, you can view it by all the tournaments that you've drafted. 
Um, and you can, this, this is just my, uh, specifically my underdog page, but we have this for DraftKings and for drafters as well. And you can go in and you can see, right, this, you can click these, you can click these stacks. So, okay, clearly me, you know, my Sam Howell love, mm-hmm. I have 10 of 21 uh, Washington stacks. So, you know, 48% of my team are Washington. You want to see what they are? Go look. We got it. You want to see it? You're like, okay, I wanted, uh, let's see. I do think I have a, a, but like, again, six of them are Howell and Antonio Gibson. Five are Howell and Curtis Samuel. So it's, this isn't too bad of a, of a split, but you're, it's going to be a while before we get to uh, Howell, Dotson, and Terry McLaurin, right? Mm-hmm. And like, why, if this is my favorite stack, do I have, and clearly I haven't, <laughs> clearly I didn't put this into practice when I was drafting. I don't have zero. I have 50%. I only drafted 21 puppy teams, right? But I have 50% basically Sam Howell stacks or, or Washington stacks. And, and you'd say, even, even by looking at that, you would say, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You've got a lot of those. Even within there, I don't have the pre the one premium stack, not once. Right. And you could get that one easily too. Same thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, Going in, I know it takes a little bit of time, whatever, but you go in and you can easily go find all of these things, right? You maybe there is a specific week 17 game you want to target. Like, well, most of my correlations from San Francisco and Washington are Sam Howell and Eli Mitchell, which I'm I, I'm cool with, by the way. But like again, get to Dotson. Where's Dotson? Where's Dotson? Where's Dotson? Yeah, Dotson, okay, down here. Dotson and Eli Mitchell, you know, but uh, where's Kittle? Where's Kittle? Where's Kittle? Uh, No Kittle, no Kittle, you know? And it's like, yeah. you can easily go see these gaps that you have. And that's the thing about a portfolio or lineups, not players. When you go look at the exposure, you're like, oh God, you got to be covered with Howell stacks, right? Or you got to be covered with all those Washington and Seattle or Washington and uh, San Francisco uh, correlations. But when you go look, you're not, you're really not because you're not, doing you're not thinking about it when you're drafting you're just drafting you're not you're not going into it saying i probably need a howell dotson mclaurin eli mitchell right or something like that you know you know you get the point obviously and so Mm -hmm. i just wanted to pull this up because it's like well there's it's easy to say oh look we identified this thing go do it but then like how do i put it into play into my whole portfolio and that's what that's what we designed this whole damn tool (laughs) to, to, to help you do I had 50% Mahomes last year, like a tick above 50% Mahomes. And I was still light on some of my week 17 Mahomes Broncos game stacks, like in terms of players that I wanted. So just because you're drafting a guy at a high clip doesn't necessarily mean you're drafting him the way you want to draft him. Right. So I think, I don't think you have to do this every time you draft a team, but maybe once or twice a week if you're drafting at a, at a heavy volume and you know the stacks that you want, write them down. Write down, like, I want to make sure I have Howell, Dotson, Terry McLaurin with a, I don't know, say even CMC bring back or, or a George Kittle bring back and write it on a piece of paper and, like, just have it next to your desktop and just be like, all right, well, I have this once or twice and I know I got this to make sure you have those combos that you want. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's still one out of however many teams, and you still got to get it through. But, like, you know you want at least a shot at it. It's better to have the shot at it than just to not have it at all. And I think that was a mistake I made last year. Is like, even though I know I like these players, I wasn't doing that. And I 
came across that, I think late August is when I started to really think about that. And it became like a thing that I started to track. It was a little too late. I was pretty deep in all my like bullets at that point, but at least I knew. So definitely is. This is the new meta for the the hand builders, (laughs) but I'm, but I'm pulling this up because it's a tangible example of when we show like I, again, I only drafted 21 teams, but part of what I was going to do is I'm going to take Damian Harris in every draft in the puppy. That was part of my, that was part of my strategy. It's a hundred bucks, whatever. If I lose the hundred bucks because Damian Harris, my 11th round pick gets hurt. I think I'll survive until next year, but it's easy to say, and this, everyone falls into this trap. Okay. I drafted a bunch of this player, so, right? He's my highest owned player. So I, I should be covered with everything, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm going to take my stand on Damian Harris, and then I'm going to have all these combinations that go with, with Damian Harris. And so like to the double stack, you would say, all right, Damian Harris is part of my stand. And then I should have double stacks around Damian Harris. Right. And then when you go and you look, all my teams have Damian Harris and I have one Bengal stack one. And yep. it is, you know, and it, it is a, it is a big guy. That's a sick it, one. <laughs> it's, 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 it's all of them. It's the <laughs> it's, one. Burrow, Chase, Higgins, and uh, Irv. I, it separates out all the different combos, right? Yeah. Um, because it's only one team, but it is technically all these different stacks. But you scroll all the way down here, it is this. It is Burrow, Irv, Chase, and Higgins. Um, and But again, so, okay, I got the one Bengal. I, I, all my teams have Damian Harris, and I got one Bengals double stack. Yeah. One, right? I got, uh, just look at uh, Jacksonville, the team that we were talking about. <laughs> Yep. All my teams have Damian Harris. There ain't no Christian Kirk on here. There's no Evan Ingram. There's no, it's only Lawrence and Ridley. And so I'm not saying that's wrong. Again, I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. wrong or that's right, but it's a tangible example of like, you may feel like you're covering these bases, but you are not right. right. Especially as it pertains to double stacks, because it just doesn't happen quite as often as you, as you think it is. So we should start by taking a little step back sometimes and say, I want to get these stacks. Now, how do I implement them as opposed to just, oh, I drafted 150 teams. Let's see what it is, right? <laughs> Let's uncover the teams. And oh, shit, I don't have anything like I thought I did. And I think that that's probably like 95 to 98 percent of best ball drafters. Like they just draft with their favorite players in mind. And the next thing you know, you turn over the cards and your portfolio does not look like what you thought your portfolio does. And I think that the double stacks are like probably the biggest part of that. And you can't be on top of everything all the time. Like you just, especially if you're drafting like a super high clip of teams, it's just, it, it would take too much brain power and computing to, to know at all times what you're doing, but you can be cognizant of implementing certain things, like making sure you implement double stacks and implementing, you know, whatever, you know, if it's the week 17 correlation, whatever you value, you can implement it. For me, I think double stacks are going to be a little more important than week 17 correlation, but they can tie together. doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that one or the other, like you don't have to do one or the other. These are things that you can, I think you've talked about the sliding scale of things that are important to you. Like it can be a top five thing. Whatever your top five is, is your top five. Double stacking is going to be probably a top three thing for me for the rest of the off season. Does it mean that I'm going to double stack every single time? No. Cause you can't predict other drafters and things happen. Like shit gets real. Like you're in the fire. 
we can make that plan all we want and it's going to, and it's going to work most of the time, but sometimes it's not. And there's stuff that you just got to grit your teeth and do too. Like, do I like Evan Ingram in the ninth round or wherever he's going? Right. No, I don't at all. But if I want the, the Evan Ingram, Calvin Ridley, Trevor Lawrence double stack, I got to grit my teeth and do it here and there. And I'm going to like, I'll be taking him over guys that I like more, but again, it's ninth round guys. We're not, we're not talking about taking Evan Ingram over Jamar Chase here. You know, we're talking about taking Evan Ingram over, I don't know, name Kirk Cousins as your second quarterback or something like that. So, like, yeah, I'd rather do that occasionally. Not all the time, but it, it is something that you need to be cognizant of. I totally agree. I just wanted to look at <clears throat> one last one to kind of leave on because I think uh, – this is one of the types of double stacks that I think is very much under underutilized and it's twofold. Mm -hmm. One, the general idea, which I don't think is true, um, is you don't want to double stack the running quarterbacks. The, that can be true in any one individual week. <clears throat> Correct. But yeah, that doesn't mean it is true for how we want to construct a best ball team. Certainly not on drafters, but even on underdog, we outlined the reasons why it's okay. If the wide receivers ping pong, good weeks. And oftentimes it might be better for you if they ping pong good weeks, because that's how you can get leverage, but you didn't do anything <laughs> like you didn't do any. It's not like you uncovered some crazy, you know, mystery. You just, use two spots and it naturally creates um, leverage. The other thing Lamar is the example for me is combining these things like the double stacks with something the market is not going to invest in. Now I'm not saying that they're, they're not invested in Lamar stacks because it's a, it's reasonable draft rates kind of across the board here. But the big one that we've talked a little bit about down here was what, what stuck out to me. And that's a uh, Lamar with Zay flowers and Rashad Bateman. You see all the most popular stacks are with Odell. And that's whatever. That's fine. I don't want to get into the Odell thing again. But we're not drafting a ton of double stacks, period. And then we're not drafting kind of the more premium double air quotes premium, right? Bateman and Zay go around pick 100 or pick 90 or whatever. But there's reason to believe that a stack like this could throw more. Lamar's obviously joking. Well, we, I don't know how much he's joking. I, I wasn't. I didn't think he was serious about being his own agent and asking for and asking for a fully guaranteed contract either, but the motherfucker did that. So maybe he is serious about throwing for 6,000 yards, but like they bring in a new offensive coordinator. Who's more of a pass heavy guy. I think they probably understand that. Like there's probably a ceiling to how far they can go with Mahomes and Allen and burrow and all those guys there if they can't throw. So I do think there's reason to believe like, man, what if Lamar still runs, but they they're like in a, average or above average pass rate team it's like mm -hmm. give me these lamar doubles man like give me these lamar double stacks all day every day and now you've created like kind of and an even it's not leverage but you've created this this scenario that even if they don't throw more it can work because bateman zay are cheap mark andrews is just awesome and lamar is awesome so like it's no different than ever drafting that stack but if they do throw more now, Bateman and Zay are more like the Jags guys, right? Yeah, Bate, yeah. Like it's, I'm not saying it's the exact same, but it's closer. It's, mm -hmm. it's more like all the Seattle guys go in front of the Ravens guys, and I know Andrews is there. But like 
Andrews goes in the third round and the Ravens guys go in the 10th round. And we have all these other wide receivers that go in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Like, how does that make any sense if they do throw more? Now the risk is they don't, but the payoff is monstrous. So it's kind of a way to, again, we're stacking micro edges and the payoff of the Ravens throwing more is not priced in, in my opinion, for like the Ravens as a whole. And then you factor in the fact that people aren't double stacking them and people are double stacking them with (laughs) JK Dobbins, right. And Odell Beckham and Gus Edwards. And like, I like Isaiah likely, but like, you know, uh, you can get really good Rashad Bateman double stacks with the Mar, with the Mar Jackson. That seems pretty good. So it's just one example of, I think how we can combine some of these things too um to really really like ratchet up our edge and i would say that i have a lot of different thoughts with the ravens i'm gonna keep it to just the double stack point for tonight and if you're drafting lamar and you want to double stack him it seems like the ravens have a lot of guys like there's a lot of different combinations of these double stacks between going with andrews one of the three wide receivers hell even isaiah likely who i like at the tail ends of drafts but when I look at the Ravens, for me personally, and I was a big Odell stan, like from the time he came into the league, but I think he's done personally. I think Odell is done. So if I'm double stacking Ravens, my head is just going to go, I'm full fading Odell this year. So that double stack is kind of dead to me, right? So that just takes that one completely away, makes it easier on who you want to do it with. And that doesn't have to be the guy you decide. Say you think Rashad Bateman's trash, right? You think he can't stay on the field. He's too injury prone. If that's your take or whatever, then you can get rid of Rashad Bateman and do and keep Odell in there or hell you want to get rid of both of them. So now you're just saying, well, the way I want to double stack them is with one of the tight ends and Zay flowers. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure you're doing your Lamar, Andrews flowers or your Lamar flowers likely. And those are your two double stacks you're doing with Lamar. So I I think there's ways to look at every single team differently. Baltimore is a little different just because of their situation with their, their pieces right now. We know that some of these guys are just not going to do it this year. And the problem is it could be any of them. I think the safest one is clearly Mark Andrews. But we think Zay Flowers is going to be a good NFL wide receiver. We don't know that. We think that there's potential with Rashad Bateman. He's got a lot of question marks. Odell might not have any body parts left by week one. <laughs> um, right? And Isaiah likely might have been a flash in the pan. So although it's a it's a great – How dare you? I, I don't want him you. to be. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm drafting him. Yep. But, but if you're double stacking them and you want to throw guys out, What's wrong with doing that? You want to get a couple Lamar double stacks and there's specific guys you like? Do it that way. It's easy enough to do with with almost all of these guys. You know how you have to do Lamar Andrews. It's it's three, four turn. And then you can get any of the other guys you want if that's the way you want to do it. So I, I, like I said, I have some Ravens takes that I'm like back and forth on right now that I'm weighing out. But if I'm getting Lamar, I'm double stacking Lamar where in years past, I probably would have been like, I'm never double stacking Lamar because if he goes off week 17, I want him to do it by running for two and throwing for two to Mark Andrews or something. And now I'm just kind of looking at the full lens of it where the double stack, he can still run for two and throw it to one of the guys I double stack him with. And I still have freaking leverage, but the other guy helped carry me to the playoffs in the first place because they were one of the top 10 offenses in the league. Right. So that's, that's kind of the way I'm looking at this as we go forward. I totally agree. Um, 
really fun conversation and it has me, you know, all these conversations always end up like now I have like 10,000 things like I want to go look at and try out in, in drafts and everything, but um, we do got to get out of here. We will be back tomorrow night. Uh, Of course, our typical Tuesday spike week sickos show. And uh, I did just want to mention, I released the latest uh, strategy guide which there's going to be strategy guides for every single basically best ball, not every individual tournament, but I'm going to kind of lump them into tournament groups. So drafters is kind of its own one tournament group. BBM will be its own because it's a, it's a very different tournament than even other tournaments on underdog. And then DraftKings will kind of be the Millie will get its own strategy guide. Cause I think it's a little different with the really large field and all of that. And then like that $9 entry, three entry max, uh, you know, the $3, like the smaller field stuff will get mm-hmm. lumped together. But the first one is out uh, for drafters. So if you have not drafted uh, or if you have not played on drafters before, I really think it, it will help. And I spent a lot more time this year really thinking about drafters and how to, uh, I honestly have sucked at it for the, for the last two years. So it was a little motivation to get a little better. So we'll have plenty more drafters content coming out. Check out that strategy guide. We are going to do some drafters draft streams and or recorded draft streams. And then the only other thing is we continue to release updates to uh, obviously draft IQ and the, those tools, but the draft hacker overlays, uh, particularly for DraftKings, we've released a bunch of, of new stuff, but for all sites, we have new views called a team view. So as you're drafting, you can click this little button and it'll show you underneath your player queue. Like here's all the teams with the plate, right? I have a chief. Oh, okay. I got Travis Kelsey, but he's my only chief. I have a saint, but it's, you know, Juwan Johnson. That's my only, right. And it'll show you all that. It'll also do that for the for the fantasy playoffs, mainly for, for week 17. So it's just like so much easier to see your correlations and just a bunch of new updates. I don't want to bore everybody with that, but like we've been cranking out a bunch of stuff. So I wanted to make sure that we mentioned it here, but is there anything you wanted to mention before we got out of here? No, just make sure you're looking into your double stacks. And if you want a prime example of why it would have been super viable last year is just think about the Tampa Bay Bucks. If Brady was your second quarterback and you were double stacking Mike Evans a lot um, with with Brady and other Buck X and you got more of those teams through, you would have been in much, much better shape. With, Pretty good shape. Yeah. So Pretty good shape. Lower advance rate, but higher upside. All right, guys. Have a wonderful uh, rest of your evening and we will see you guys. <clears throat> Excuse me. Too much, too much Oreo talk apparently going on we'll see you guys tomorrow yeah peace peace. those were some spicy takes want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at spike week why don't you press that subscribe button below you turn notifications on we draft a team boom you know about it we have another spicy take boom you know about it you can be there you can draft with us You want to stay up to date. That's how you do it. All right. We'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.